Everybody, welcome. Uh, so, so, so good to be with you. Now, for uh, for me, being with you and worshiping together is like uh, medicine for my soul. I hope it's that way for you, too. Uh, and who knew that Ohio weather could be so cooperative on Sundays? This is awesome. Uh, listen, let me start with a just because story or update. You know, last week I told you that we wanted to start a Just Because Community Fund to kind of shower this area with more acts of kindness and generosity, and that the entire offering given this uh, weekend is going to go toward that fund. And I told you last week that we decided to, we got on Facebook and we saw this wish list that the Hudson teachers had put together to prepare for this year. And we, as a church, fulfilled every wish that was list that was left on that list. And we had such a great response from that. Uh, we have two of our staff members that volunteer as football coaches for Hudson Middle School. And one of the things that they found out was that coaches, whether they're volunteer or not, uh, have to buy their own kind of swag. If they want a Hudson hat, if they want a, a sweatshirt or a uh, like a windbreaker, they have to buy it themselves. So well, we contacted the athletic director and said uh, our church would love to uh, provide that for every coach of every fall sport. And this is the email that uh, the athletic director sent out. She said, uh, finally, some good news. Christ Community Chapel has generously offered to brighten up your spirit wear choices and extend the amount of time between laundry. They wish to honor your time and the passion you pour into your kids every day, even during global pandemics. Then she gives some details, and she ends with all caps, and she says, thank you, like 25 views. CCC for recognizing the joyful sacrifices, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, roll HUD, uh, Jen. How awesome is that? So I just wanted to tell you something else that you have helped us do as a church. Thanks. So that's part of what the offering is going to go to uh, this week. But now we are going to finish up 1 John. And actually, we are bringing to an end our theme that has carried us from January till now, which is that love matters most. I told you in January that that theme would carry us to September, and then something big was going to happen. Well, it's here. And what we're going to do next week, we're going to be inside. We're going to uh, have the 8.30 service again, 8.30, 10, 11.30. But we are going to be kind of rolling out what we feel like God has been doing uh, in and with and through our church. Over the last uh, year, a little bit more than a year, we've been pouring over Scripture. We've been praying. We've been looking at what God has done in the past in and with and through CCC. And then we've been looking ahead to see what God might want to do in the decades to come. And we're ready to kind of share that with you. And it is going to be awesome. I think if you have ever in your life wanted to do something wonderful and big for Jesus, uh, this is going to be the place. Uh, so don't miss next Sunday as we roll that out. All right. But this week is the, when we finish up First John. We've been calling it the letter of love. Uh, John is an old man by this time. He is uh, the last living disciple. The more I have studied 1 John, the more I have fallen in love with John, the more I want to be like him as I grow older. Because sometimes it's easy as you grow older to get a little crankier as the years go by. And I understand that because I can feel that we get set in our ways and it's hard to grow old. 
But John is so full of love and he has never lost the sheer astonishment that God loves him. All right, so we are going to finish up and I'm going to read the passage for today. And I'm calling this the marks of a Christian, the marks of a Christian. Oh, by the way, I love what we're doing today. I love that we get to worship outside on the soccer field, so every car that drives by has to be intrigued. They have to be thinking, what are they doing? What's going on? And then that we're starting a a Just Because community fund that will just shower this area with acts of kindness and generosity. And the reason I love that is I always wanted to be the kind of church where people who drove by might think, you know, I may never go to that church. I may never believe what they teach in that church but I hope they never leave because they are so wonderful for our community. And that's what we're doing now. And that actually fits in to this message. So let me read the passage. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, and then I'll verse, read verses 16 through 18. This is what it says. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Then skip to verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth." This is God's word, and it's true. All right, John says that there is evidence that proves that you are a child of God, and not surprisingly, that evidence has to do with love. When you are a child of God, you have been impacted by love in three different ways. You have been impacted by a love that brings you in, a love that fills you up, and a love that makes a difference. A love that brings you in, a love that fills you up, and a love that makes a difference. First, a love that brings you in. In this passage, John begins to talk about what it means to be a child of God. He's talking about becoming a part of the family of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about this, that to become a Christian means that you are adopted into the family of God. And that means that the deepest secret of Christianity is that the love of God is not earned By you doing a certain thing or being a certain way, it is given. Just like a child is adopted. A child does nothing to earn the right to be adopted. A child is the recipient of sheer grace. And that's what he says. But John says something that's a little disconcerting, and you probably caught it. He says there are children of God and there are children of the devil. That there are two families And John says there are only two families, which means that every person in the world and every person here today is in one of those two families, either the family of God or the family of the devil. And most people like to feel like they are in kind of the middle group, which would be kind of the normal majority. I mean, they think that the people who really love God are people who gather on soccer fields in the middle of a global pandemic because they have to worship, they want to worship. 
Right? And then there's the other people that are hostile toward God, that hate God or don't believe that he exists. And then there's this bunch of people in the middle that are driving by right now who are just trying to get on with their lives, trying to be good parents, trying to provide, all of that. You know, there's a, a scene in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, uh, and, which is a very funny movie. But George Clooney has just picked up a hitchhiker named Tommy Johnson. And Tommy has just told uh, George Clooney that he sold his soul to the devil. And George Clooney uh, laughs, he's driving, and he laughs and he says, ain't this a small world spiritually speaking? Because uh, Pete and Delmar here just got saved and baptized. And then he thought to himself and he thought, looks like I'm the only one spiritually unaffiliated, right? That was his line. A lot of people want to feel like they're spiritually unaffiliated. But John says no. Everyone is spiritually affiliated. Everyone is part of one of these two families. Let me try to explain it like this. You know how families have mottos that kind of tell you something about the values of that family. And I've told you this before. I probably told you way too much. But one of the mottos of the coffee family is that coffees take stairs. Uh, I started telling my kids that when they were little. Uh, we try to stay away from escalators when there's a staircase. We try to stay away from elevators unless we're going four floors or higher. And what I would tell my kids when they were little was, listen, coffees don't take stairs because the easy way isn't always the best way. The easy way isn't always the best way. That's what I wanted to drill into. And that's just something small and something silly. What John is saying here is much deeper and much more serious. What John says, there are two families, so there's a motto for each one of these families. And the motto to be a child of God, the motto of the family of God is this, thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's actually what Jesus says in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he desperately wanted to do something else or wanted something else to happen, he goes to God and he says, you are God, I trust you. You are my father. So thy will be done. The other family also has a motto. And the motto of the other family is my will be done. It's actually what made the devil the devil is that he said to God at one point, not your will, but my will be done. It's the, it's the way he tempted Eve in the very first temptation. He told Eve, don't trust God. Don't do he, what he wants. You can do what you want. You know what is best. You can do it. You do your own thing. You decide what's right and wrong for you. Now, the secret to a Christian is that we say thy will be done because we can trust God the Father because he's already done so much for us by sending us Jesus. One of Pastor Zach's favorite things to say is that God has already proven his love for you through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and everything else is detail, right? And that's what he says here, that Jesus laid down his life for us, so because he has done that, in fact, there's a verse in Romans that said, if God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, will he not also graciously give us all things? So when you are convinced, when you are gripped by the love of God that he has shown, demonstrated his love to you by sending his son to die for you, then it, you can begin to say and live by the motto, of thy will be done, that you will trust God. On the other side, 
When people are saying, my will be done, what they're saying is, I know what is best. I am good enough. I am wise enough. I am the captain of my fate. But to be a child of God means that you have been so gripped by the love of God through Jesus that you say to God, thy will be done. That's the first uh, evidence that you know, the mark that you are a child of God. The second evidence, the second mark, is a love that fills you up. And it actually fills you up with a new identity. I don't think we've done a very good job explaining how being a Christian actually has the power to change your identity. We've done a pretty good job at trying to explain how becoming a Christian means that you have been reconciled to God and you can experience forgiveness. That Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, has done something for you that you could not do for yourself. That he has reconciled you to God, he's offered you forgiveness, and now you have hope, not just in this life, but also in the life to come. But we haven't done a very good job in being able to communicate in a way that makes you understand that that love has the power to change the way you see yourself and then the way you act out of that. That's actually what John is trying to get at when he says, if you are a child, you are not a child of God. If you do not act righteously, if you do not do what is right and love your brother, right? Let me try to explain it like this. Basically, every religion teaches the same moral code. Every religion teaches the same moral co code. Don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. All good, right? But they say you don't do those things. You behave in that way so you can become a certain kind of person. And when you become that certain kind of person, then God will accept you and love you. Christianity turns that around. And Christianity says the love of God is not earned or deserved. It is given as a gift. And that love has the power to make you so secure that your identity is actually lived out of that and you behave based on your, your identity in Christ already. Let me try, like the whole of scripture is all about this identity change. God has always been trying to tell you, to tell me, don't base your identity on anything else but my love for you. Listen, in the Old Testament, when uh, God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt, they've spent 400 years being slaves. He takes them to Mount Sinai. They gather around the mountain. Moses goes up the mountain. He comes back down with 10 commandments, the 10 rules, the 10 most important things, right? And there are a lot of important uh, commandments there. Easy, obvious, don't kill, got it, important. Don't steal, super important, right? Don't lie also very important. And then right in the middle, make sure you take a day off. And you're kind of going, how did that get in the top 10? And the reason that got in the top 10 is that God is saying to the Israelites, listen, for 400 years, you have not only gotten your worth, but your identity has been based on what you do. But I want you to take one day a week and do no work so you can remind yourself that your identity is not in what you do or how you perform, but your identity is in whose you are, and you're mine. You're mine. You know, there's a, a little story that Paul tells in the book of Galatians about him confronting Peter. Peter had been, uh, he had stopped eating with certain people because of their race. And Paul gets in his face, but Paul does not say, 
Peter, you don't want to be a racist. Is that the kind of person you want to be? No, you want to be this kind of person. That's not what he says. He gets in Peter's face and he says, Peter, you have forgotten. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten how deeply you are loved. You are not acting like you. Do you see? When a Christian is living in a way that is unrighteous, in a way that is unloving, at some point they come to their senses and they say, wait, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. It's not just not who I want to be. It's not who I am already. The Bible never calls someone to love until the Bible has told you how deeply you are already loved. And so the second evidence, the second mark of a Christian is that you have been gripped by a love that has filled you up. And finally, a love that makes a difference, a love that makes a difference. This is verses 16 and 18, or 16 through 18. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Listen, Christians are people who don't just talk about love. We don't just sing about love. We do love. And when we do love, when we are so filled with love that it pours out of us onto our community and onto the people around us, it actually has the power to change the world. I've been uh, looking at the early church and studying about the early church, reading books on the early church, and actually partly because after the three-week vision series that starts next week, we're going to dive for 10 weeks into the book of Acts just to see the early church, because the early church actually changed the world, and I believe the world needs to be changed right now, that our community, Northeast Ohio, needs to be changed right now, and so we want to be like the early church. So we're going to look at what the early church did and see if our vision matches up with exactly what God told them and how they obeyed him. All right, but let me just give you two examples that I've read about, about the early church. The first example is why we are actually called Christians. The city of Antioch was a very, very diverse city, but it wasn't a melting pot. You know how uh, certain cities have like Chinatown and they have uh, Little Italy or different places where that ethnic group hangs out? Antioch was like that on steroids. They had different parts of the city where different people lived. In fact, there were walls that kept them with their own people. And then Christianity comes to Antioch. And something began to happen that really unnerved people. It had never happened before. People began to climb over the walls to be together to worship. People began to knock the walls down. And people who hated each other, who were utter enemies outside of Jesus, began to love each other. And it so unnerved the city that they didn't know what to call these people. And they began to call them Christians. And that's the time when that word was coined. And that word Christian means literally a little Christ. And what they're saying is these are like little Jesuses and we don't know where to put them because what they had was a group of people that were rich and poor, educated, uneducated, Gentile and Jew, Scythian, barbarian, slave and free who were worshiping and loving each other. And that began to change the world. Listen, if our community ever needed a group of people 
who would love each other in such a way that people would look at us and say, how do they get along when they don't vote the same, they don't think the same, they don't love the, the same like teams, they don't, uh, they don't do anything that makes sense, and they love each other in such a way that they would do anything for each other. This is what the world needs now, and that's one of the signs of being a child of God that we love each other beyond the walls that separate others, beyond race, beyond politics, beyond likes and dislikes. We love each other. The second story I want to tell you is about a, a guy that they called, he was an emperor, they called him Julian the Apostate. And Julian the Apostate hated Christians. And he hated Christians not because they voted against him and not because they protested against him and not because they wrote nasty blogs about him. He hated Christians because he couldn't stop them from converting other people, and he didn't want them to convert other people. And, and uh, archaeologists found something that uh, Julian wrote. And let me, I'll paraphrase it. What Julian wrote is this. These damnable Christians, they love each other, but they also love our people, and they love our people better than we have loved them or can love them. How can we compete with that? How great a thing is that? And that's what we want to do. That's what the whole, you know, just because community fund is about, that's what we want to do for our community. We want to act in such a way that people come to you and they say, what is going on? Why are you the way you are? And why is your church doing what it's doing? And you can introduce them to the one who's loved them before time began. So ends their series on 1 John, the letter of love. That to be a child of God, to be a Christian, means that you are so gripped by the love of God. It's a love that's powerful enough to bring you in to a family. Listen, if you are not yet a Christian, this is your starting point. That even today, you can be adopted as you understand that God's love is not earned, but it is given and it's being offered to you right now. The second thing is that you are gripped with a love. If you're a Christian, you're gripped with a love that fills you up with a new identity. And if you are acting like you are not a Christian, if you are not doing righteous things, if you are not loving other people, then what I want, to, want you to do is shake yourself even now and say, wait, wait, this is not who I am, that I've been so loved by God that I'm different. And I'm not acting in accordance with who I really am, my true identity. And then all together, let's love people in such a way that it makes a difference in our community. So that the people who are driving by will wonder why a church does what we do, why we as Christians act the way we act. And that's when you can tell them that we do this for Jesus and because of Jesus because for Jesus, love matters most. Let's go ahead and pray. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you and we are so uh, grateful. We are amazed that you have loved us with such a deep, deep love. And now as we uh, take communion together, I pray that we'll, we will be reminded once again and that love will go so deep inside of us that it will be the love that 
pulls us into a family that, that fills us up with a new identity and inspires us to become, to be a difference and make a difference in this world. Thanks. We are grateful for you. We gather because you are worthy of our worship, and we thank you for the gift of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.